All right. I want to encourage you to continue to stand on the scriptures for your needs in life. We gave you some cards for dealing with temptation, for healing in your life. But no matter what area you're dealing with in life, man, you know, get some scriptures that apply to it. And say, well, I don't know where to get them. Just Google. That's where I got them. Google. You know, scriptures on depression. Some of you struggle terribly with depression. I know you do. Get in there, find some scriptures, quote, get problems with finances. You know, find out what they are and quote those scriptures and stand on them and get some faith. Get the promises of God in you. By the way, let me encourage you to come to that Dave Ramsey financial seminar. Nothing's more miserable than when you don't have enough money to function in life. And I know a lot of you think your problem is you just don't have enough money. That if you had more money, you'd be okay. No, you won't. This happens all the time. People who have $30,000, you're like, man, if I just had 60, I'd have it made. And then you had 60, and you're as miserable as you were when you had 30. Then, well, if I just had another 30, I'd have 90, I'd really have it made. No, you won't. I know people who make hundreds of thousands of dollars every stinking year. They're up to debt to their eyeballs. They had credit cards maxed out. They can't function. They are miserable. It's not a money problem, amount of money. It's what you do with it. And this guy will help you. And it's a great seminar. And I always believe, Whenever you have the chance, you should listen to a middle-aged, balding man wearing glasses. <laughs> Hallelujah. And all the bald men said, Amen. Praise God. So, uh, it's a good thing. But get these promises in you, man. Stand on them. Faith comes. And what happens, you've got to get to the place where God's promises become more real to you than your reality. That's when miracles happen. But for some of you, I know it, your life, your misery is much more real to you than anything. You live a life that says, and God's promises seem a million miles away. You don't even know what they are. You have no idea. they are. Unless I give you a little card, you have no idea. Come on. You can find these scriptures on your own. Get these scriptures. What you need to do is where God's promises become more real to you than your, and that's when things start to change. Get the word of God. He says, well, I'm sick and I'm struggling. Okay, fine. Well, I'm depressed. Okay, fine. Well, I'm poor. Fine. Get God's word in you. Stand on it. Abraham is a great example. Abraham, man, the guy was like almost 100 years old. Still not a father. God promised him he was going to be a father. He kept standing on the promises of God. God told him at night, count the numbers of stars in the sky. Your descendants will be more like that. When you see the sand, your descendants will be more than the, the grains of sand. I mean, every day, every night, he kept meditating on these promises, thinking about these promises. Those promises became more real to him than his reality. And faith came and a miracle came and God blessed him. That's how it happens. Faith is what it takes to get miracles. You say, well, how do I get faith? Well, you don't get it by trying to have faith. That's not how it works. The Bible says faith comes by the word of God. You got to get it in you. The Bible will do you no good sitting in your house. None. Zilch. Zip. Nada. It's not an, an omen that keeps away evil demons or something from your house. The devil probably sits on your Bible at home and watches you not read it. You got to read it. You got to get it in you. All right, moving on. Now, we are studying Matthew uh, because we're trying to get the word of God in you. We're trying to teach you what Jesus taught. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Telling people to believe, but also to obey everything I commanded you. 
That's what we don't do. Millions of Christians all over the world believe in Jesus and lots of preachers on TV just believe in Jesus. But they never talk about what you're supposed to do. They think that all you got to do is believe and that is a false presentation of the gospel. Yes, it starts with believing, but that's not the whole picture. You need to do what he said. Sadly, most people have no idea what he said. We're going through the book of Matthew, uh, uh, the whole thing together on a Sunday morning, trying to teach you what Jesus said. A lot of Christians, it wouldn't surprise me if the majority of people in this room and the majority of people watching me on television, even though you've been Christians all your life, have never one time so much as took the effort to read one of the Gospels all the way through. We're not talking, you know, war and peace here, some big thick book. It's a little, it's not that big. Most people have, just haven't done it. You don't know what Jesus taught. You think all that Christian, oh, I believe in Jesus. My life still stinks. I don't know why my life stinks. It's because you don't read the Bible. You got to get it in you. And that's what we're trying to do. So, we are in Matthew, the fifth chapter. We are right at the beginning of the Gospels. Jesus has just, he's just started his first major sermon. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And then we read the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are being persecuted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. All these things Jesus said, what the world would think would be bad is a place of blessing because you get a chance to experience God. But most people end there. If you were to talk about the Sermon on the Mount, what you would hear from 99% of people in the world is, oh, the Beatitudes. Blessed, 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 blessed. And I said, oh, Jesus is so nice. He just blessed everybody. That wasn't just the Sermon on the Mount. That was the opening line. We are now going to start reading the Sermon on the Mount. And some of it is Hochi Mama, Owie, Owie, Owie. <laughs> Wait till we get to next week. Some of y'all are going to need healing and just walk it out of here. <laughs> because this is some tough stuff. Jesus wasn't messing around. We are about to read one of the most anti-Western culture documents ever created. Jesus' words here are so strong it's almost un-American. Because Western culture is very narcissistic. And it's all about me, 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 me. When Jesus comes along, he says, no, no, this is how you do it. And it's very different than when we live our lives. And that's why we need to focus on it. So let's get God's word in us. Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 21. Jesus said, you've heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder. Of course, thou shalt not kill. Everybody's heard that. Thou shalt not kill. You've heard. And anyone who does this will be subject to judgment. But then he ratchets it up. He says, but I tell you. You heard Moses say don't kill anybody, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. He puts it on the same level as murder. Ugh. That stinks already. We're just getting started. Some of y'all so mad at people in your life. (laughs) You know, you're mad at your dad. Maybe he was an alcoholic mean guy or still mad at your mother mad at your brothers and sisters mad at everybody in your life you come to church and worship Jesus walk out stop that you can't we don't have the right as people of faith not if we're followers of Christ if you're followers of Christ if you're followers of others like we mentioned other religions that they celebrate being angry and killing and taking But if you're a follower of Christ, you can't even be mad with people. Oh, we're all temporarily mad with you, you know, just. But I'm talking about just you. You're so anger and so unforgiving and you can't let it go. That's not an option for us. People just so 
bitter and angry and mean and And we just prayed, forgive us our transgressions as we forgive those who transgress against us. We pray the Lord's Prayer every week. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Well, some of you got people you haven't forgiven. But you think God's going to forgive you. You're delusional. By your own words, you said, God, you have permission not to forgive me if I don't forgive somebody else. That's what you're saying every Sunday. Oh, better quit saying that. (laughs) This, I don't understand Christians who don't get this. You know, there's parts of Christianity that are optional. Coming to church is optional. You should come, you little rats. But if you don't come, you're not going to go to heaven if you don't come to church this Sunday. Okay? Whether or not you pray today. Let's say you spend all the you know, time in prayer or read the Bible. You're not going to go to hell. That's optional. You should do it. but it's... There's all kinds of giving money. It's optional. You know, you should give. One of the reasons God doesn't bless you financially is because you're so tight you squeak. <laughs> but you still don't get it. You're not going to go to hell for that. But there are some things that will put us in serious trouble. I'm talking serious jeopardy of your soul. This is it. You do not have the option as a person of faith to hate somebody and not forgive somebody and think you get into heaven, you're on drugs. (laughs) Some people watching me on TV probably literally are on drugs. Let's watch this preacher. He's funny. (laughs) Listen to me, you rats watching us on TV. I love you. Bless your sweethearts. Be picking hearts. Thousands of people all over Wisconsin watch us on TV. I run into them all the time. I, I can't misbehave anywhere because everybody knows who I am. But you can't just watch a preacher on TV. That's not enough. You need to go to church. Get off of your butt. Put on your clothes. Go to church. You don't want to come to this church? Go to somebody else's church. Just go to church. Pastor, aren't you afraid of offending him? What? Are they going to quit not coming to church? <laughs> what, are you, what are they going to do? Well, I won't watch you anymore. I don't care. They're going to quit not giving money? Look, I'm glad you watch, but get a life. Just watching a guy on TV isn't true Christianity. Moving on. You've got to let it go. Say, Pastor, I can't forgive. I've tried to forgive. Yes, you can. You just don't understand what it is. Forgiveness has nothing to do with your emotions. You might feel the pain of what that person did to you till the day you die. It has nothing to do with forgiveness. Well, I can't forget what they did to me. Forgiveness has nothing to do with your memory. You might remember what that person did to you until the day you die. It has nothing to do with forgiveness. Forgiveness is you just let it go and let God. You quit talking about it. Some of y'all just... That's all you do. All you do. You open your mouth and in 20 seconds... Reminding everybody, what they did to me, what you did to me, why you did to me. The one telltale sign of someone who's full of bitterness and unforgiveness is they never stop talking about it. They always talk about it. Oh, they did this. Some of you miracles, you do this to each other all the time. You're always reminding each other what you did, what you did. Some of you guys got got everything in detail. You have it on laminated cards. 
just as soon as your spouse goes, yeah, yeah, you, you didn't pick up the dog poop? Well, well, here's this card. You did this to me one time. And you did this. Here, hold these cards for a minute. And then you did this. And you did this and this. Stop it. Tear up the cards. No cards. Quit reminding it. Shut up. Quit talking about it. Let go. Let God stop it. It's rotting your soul. Some of y'all are going to die an early death for no other reason because you are so full of bitterness and anger. Oh, that person did such and such to me. I'll never forget it. And you come to church and you think you're okay? You're delusional. This is Christianity 101. As people of faith, we don't have... And see, I'm talking about anti-American. As Americans, we have the right to hate people that don't treat us right. Praise God, I hate those stupid people. No! <laughs> then he says, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. Anyone who yells, you fool, is, will be in danger of fire of hell. He's talking about derogatory terms. Now, it's in the context of hate and bitterness. <laughs> I use derogatory terms all the time. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me. But it's not personal. You know, even Jesus used derogatory. He called people snakes. He called them whitewashed sepulchers. He said to his disciples, oh, you dorks, how long am I going to be stuck with you people? He did, you know, so it's not that. Even one point where Jesus was telling a parable about a rich man who thought he was going to live forever. And the Bible says, God said, you fool. Well, Jesus said, if you say you fool, you go to hell. No, 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 no. Because God doesn't go to hell. He's talking about in the context, derogatory meaning where you're, you say nasty things about people. Because you're like, that stupid moron is filled with anger. Stop that. You know, sometimes a derogatory term is the only way you can describe some people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but not meanly. You know what I'm talking about? They're just dorks. Crazy people. They'll be crazier than all get out. I don't know if you've ever listened to my show. I do a daily show every hour, or an hour show every day. You can listen to it on the, online on the internet. It's very funny. But the premise of the show is people email me their questions about life, and then I respond to them. Because I do it in a vacuum. I don't know who they are. I don't want to know who they are, because I don't want to be nice to them. <laughs> now, I just want to tell them the truth. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you know how you have the truth, and you honestly have the truth about somebody, and you want to tell them, but you filter it. Because you don't want to freak them out. You know, I want to tell you the truth, but you know, you see how they respond. And uh, my show is there's no filter because we don't know who you are. That's the, that's the premise. Nobody knows who you are. It's all anonymous. But some people are just crazy and all get out. One lady emails me. So she says, Pastor Mark, I'm dating this man. And I went over to meet his family. But now we went inside and they were all nudists. And uh, we had dinner and everybody was naked. And then I, what should I do? I don't know. When you go to somebody's house and they're naked, you leave. <laughs> Are you insane? Now, that's not personal. <laughs> She's obviously a dork. <laughs> but not in a mean, nasty way. Okay. And then he goes on. He says, therefore, whenever you see a therefore, you got to see what it's there for. He's talking in this context of this anger and hatred towards people. He says, if you, therefore, if you are offering your, uh, my eye just moved. 
Where'd it go? <laughs> Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. What he's basically saying is, because this is still in the, in the Jewish context, uh, it says, if, if you come to church to worship and you remember that you have somebody like this that you're having a problem with, go deal with it. He's basically saying, don't come to church. Now, this isn't good for those who never come to church for other reasons. But they don't don't come worship. Some of y'all come and praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hate you. I hate you. Hallelujah. Praise God. I hate you. I really hate you. Praise God. Hallelujah. He said, don't do that. Go make it right with them. Then come and worship. Now be part of this expression. Pretty strong stuff Jesus is throwing at them. And then in that context, he says this. Now, this is shifts gears a little bit, but not a whole lot. He's still talking about getting along with people. He said, settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taken you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and then you will be thrown into prison. Truly, everybody say truly. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Now, this is radical. Because as Christians today, we think we can just live callously and carelessly. It doesn't matter what we do, and Jesus will always help us. You know what Jesus is saying here? He says, don't get into fights with people. Don't be going to court with people and stuff. He says, you go to court, you're on your own. That's what he's saying. I Truly, I tell you, you won't get out till you pay the last penny. Well, how come Jesus is saying, look, if you go to court, I'll be there and I'll help you and I'll get you out. He's saying the opposite. You go, you're on your own. Whoa, that's not very nice. That's very anti-American because in America, we sue everybody. If you look at me wrong, I'm taking you to court. You sneezed on me. How dare you? And the Bible says specifically, 1 Corinthians the 6th chapter, Christians have no business suing other Christians. That's the other caveat that I told you about before. Encouraging you to do business with each other and stuff like that. But sometimes things go south. And if things go south, you do not drag a brother or sister in Christ in front of a heathen court. Amen. The Bible says if you have a dispute and they will show up, you come to the church and let the church settle it. You come to us and say, man, we did something. He won't pay me. or You know, he said, well, you didn't do such and such. You don't go to court. If you can't settle it, you come to the church. You both sit down. We listen to you. And then we make the final call. So I don't want to do that. Well, then don't be doing business with people in the church. And I know people who literally do not want to do business with Christians because they want to be able to sue them. Some people are crazy. They literally, I didn't do a prayer. You can't do business with Christians. There's a lot of people, a lot of people think, you can't do this business with Christians because if something goes wrong, you can't do anything about it. Yeah. That's right. You eat it. You suffer a loss. So what? Oh, no, we can't do that. I'm not going to get myself in a situation where I can never get hurt at all. Truly, I tell you. Now, I will say this. If you are the victim of a lawsuit, and sometimes you can get victimized, you know, and even the church sometimes might be victim. Somebody comes at us and tries to take us to court. You know, you can, I believe God will help you as a victim. But that's not what he's talking about here. Someone's taking you to court and destroying your life and you're just a victim. You're not really fighting with anybody. We can pray. Now you can ask God to help you. God is the defender of those who are being oppressed. The Bible's clear about that. I'm talking about you're fighting with your neighbor about where the 
lawn line is. And you're taking him to court. You come to me and say, Pastor, pray with me. I'm taking my neighbor to court because his dog poops on my side of the yard. And he says, no, it's his side of the yard. And, and I'm taking him to court. Pray with me. I pray with you. <laughs> Why not? You're on your own. Make peace with the man. So the line goes a little bit this side and a piece of it, something gets... Honestly, this is your life. Oh, I know people like this. They just go to the mat. You know, fighting over this, that, and the other. All the time. And they wonder why they get sick and die at such a young age. Stuff rots them on the inside. Just relax. Get along with people. Settle stuff. Don't be just grabbing some arm or take them to court, make them to just chill out. Okay? I don't, I don't like this sermon. <laughs> this is what Jesus taught. It's not what I'm telling you, it's what he said. He says, settle matters quickly. Do it while you're still headed to court. Fix it. Because once you get there, you're on your own. You know why? Because God is not an anarchist. God teaches us that laws are established in mankind as God's rule among men. It's not an anarchist. We are supposed to obey the laws of the land unless they violate the laws of God. In other words, you got to pay your taxes. I hate that, but you got to do it. You know, you can't drive here 130 miles an hour to church. <laughs> well, you can, but if you get caught, don't think Jesus is going to help you. You're going to pay every last penny. You're on your own. There is, there's established law. This God is not go, uh, con, in having contradictions with himself. Better to make peace with people. What did Jesus say? Blessed are the peacemakers. Now that's peacemakers, not just peaceful people. There are people who are peaceful people who hate conflict and you avoid conflict at every possible opportunity. And as a result, there's all kinds of unsettled issues in your life. Because you so hate conflict, and you're such a peace-motivated person, you got all kinds of people you can't stand, and they can't stand you. Well, I'm blessed because I'm peaceful. No, 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 you didn't say peaceful. Blessed are the peacemakers. Sometimes that means conflict, and you got to rough it out, and they're crying. Ah, and some of you peaceful people, just, it's fine. You will not die. You need to settle issues with people. And don't freak out. I'll tell you, churches... You know who always gets the most freaked out in churches and get mad and leave? Are peaceful people. And they get mad for no other reason than somebody else got mad. That's it. And usually they're more mad than the person who originally got mad in the first place. Sometimes they're so mad, they don't even know why the other person got mad. And they leave the church. Oh, something's wrong in the church. We've got to leave the church. Ah, I'm all upset. Why? Because Bob's mad. Why is Bob mad? I, I don't know. Seriously? Relax. All right, don't hide behind your peaceful demeanor and not settle things with people. Jesus is telling us very much here, you're going to be part of this kingdom. One of the first points he teaches, you cannot hate people. You cannot hate people. You cannot be bitter. You cannot have these unresolved issues that are outstanding. Go make peace with them. Even if they're dragging your butt to court, make peace with them. Because we need to be like our Father in heaven. Again, I don't know if they have this up there, but 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, verses 1 through 7, all talk about why Christians should not sue each other, but just jump to verse 7. 
if you can on the screen there. But it says, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you, talking about Christians, means you've already been completely defeated. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Well, it's not fair. I should never have to be cheated. I should never have to be wronged. Look, as Christians, we identify with a Christ. The servant is not above his master. What did our master do? He was wronged. He was brutalized. He was crucified on a cross. Didn't say a word. We are, the Bible says, as sheep led to the slaughter. What does that mean? Sometimes really good, God-fearing people get taken advantage of. They do. People will hurt you. Have you noticed this? Do you live in a vacuum? Do you notice? Well, pastor, you never hurt me. That's because you don't know me. (laughs) Become a great friend. I'll let you down. I might even set up lunch with you and not show up. Hmm. Anybody here ever have that problem? Yeah. That's because they know me. I'm sorry, I forgot. People hurt each other. You get wrong sometimes. Just let it go. Let God. We do not have the right to keep accounts of who owes us in life. If you have a list of who owes me in life, you, according to what Jesus said, are in danger of your very soul. I don't have a list. Nobody owes me anything. Have I been wronged? Oh, yes. Who did it? Can't remember. Do I really remember? Yeah. Am I going to tell you? No. As far as I'm concerned, you listen to me, it never happened. I do not live there. I do not want that. I need all the grace I can get. The Bible says, as we treat others, so we will be treated. As we judge others, so someday we will be judged. I promise you, when I stand before God, I'm going to need all the grace I can get. (laughs) If he points at you and said, did that person ever hurt you? Uh, Nope, we're good. (laughs) Seriously, just let it go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's challenging. It's going to get even more challenging as we go into this. Help us to identify with you. Lord, help us to teach what you taught, and to live what you taught. And for those who are really struggling, Lord, they've been really hurt by people and they've tried to forgive and it seems like it's impossible for them. God, help them have a breakthrough this week. Help them to let go and to let God. Help them to forgive that parent that was so mean to them, that boss that was so horrible to them, those so-called friends that were so mean to them. God, help us all to have clean slates, to walk around in life that nobody owes us anything so that we can stand before you receiving your unearned grace and mercy in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.